Praise the Lord. We're going to continue our study tonight in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Last, or two weeks ago, we were... uh, I talked about the gospel. You know, the most important thing that the church can do is to preach the gospel. The most important thing that we can do is to continue to remember the gospel. And to know that that is the way that we're saved, not by any other way. We're not saved by how good we can be or, or whatever it is that we can even do for God. All those things are good, but the main thing is, is that we remember that Christ died for us. You know, that's what Paul was was trying to reiterate to the the church at Corinth, because they had begun to forget what where their power was. And so let's come to the Lord in prayer tonight. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you tonight for your word. And I'm praying that, Lord, each and every one of us tonight, that God, that you would open our hearts and our minds to be able to receive of you. And that, God, we would understand what a glorious salvation we have. And not only that, but God, we are looking forward to Resurrection Day. That, Lord, either through the grave or through the rapture, that we will be one day transported to be with you forever and ever. And, God, we thank you for that. And we give you glory in the precious name of Jesus. And they all said, Amen Amen and Amen. Well, tonight, uh, we're going to look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. And we're just about uh, finishing up with, with these studies. And then, as we... As we've been studying these epistles, we've studied the book of Acts and these epistles. Then we're going to go to Genesis and we're going to start studying in Genesis and and where it all began. Amen. Amen. And so as we are looking at first Corinthians last last uh, or two weeks ago. And thank you uh, for filling in for me last Wednesday night. You guys had a good service last Wednesday night. And. uh, I forget where I was at last Wednesday night. It wasn't here. I know that. Michigan. Oh, I was in Michigan. That's right. I was. We were in a in a nice restaurant, and and I turned my phone on, and it start started blaring, and and Patsy said, "Turn that off. Not everybody in here wants to hear that." And, and so, we, but we got to listen to a lot of it later. But you were in a in Zenders. Some of you have been there. Best chicken in the world. <clears throat> They say. <laughs> Lee's is a little cheaper than what theirs is. I will say that. <clears throat> Paul was talking about the resurrection. And in verse 19, he says, If in this life only we have hope in Christ, we are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the first fruits of them that slept. For since by man came, also, came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. 
For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. But every man in his own order, Christ the firstfruits, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. So Paul said, we preach this gospel knowing that it is, as he said in Romans 1.16, he said, it is the power of God unto salvation. This, this gospel message is the power of God unto salvation. Yes. And he said, if I didn't believe that, then I would be of all men most miserable Amen. because I would know that this earth is it and this life is this, is it. But I, I know that in whom I believe and I know that that God has saved my soul and I know the message that he has given me is the, that there is a resurrection. Amen. You see, because without the resurrection, we have no hope. And he said that Christ is the first fruits of those that are resurrected. You see, there, there were instances of people being raised from the dead before that. There were instances in the Old Testament of people being raised from the dead. There, uh, Christ raised people from the dead. Uh, the Apostle Paul raised, raised people from the dead. But you see, the only difference is, is they die once again. Christ never died again. He rose and is still living, and He's living at the, and breathing at the right hand of God, the Father, uh, ever making intercession with us. So he is, still, he is still alive. He has never died, and He never will die, because He is living in eternity, just as you and I one day will live in eternity as well. And what, that's what Paul was saying was, he is the first fruits of the resurrection. He is the first resurrected. He is the one that, that we know because of his resurrection, we have hope. He, he begins speaking of the, the death of burial, uh, but it's not just the death of burial, but it's also the resurrection. Because without the resurrection, we would have no hope of, of uh, eternal life. So he says, then cometh the end when he shall have delivered up the kingdom of God. This is verse 24. Even the father, when he shall have put uh, down all rule and authority and power, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy that shall be destroyed is death. For he hath put all things under his feet. But when he saith all things are put under him, it is manifest that he is accepted, which did put all things under him. So we realize that Christ is the, the first fruits of the resurrection and that he is over all things and he is he is the sovereign God. Amen. And when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him that God may be all in all. So if you, I'll just throw something in there. If you don't believe in the Trinity, you see the Trinity right here as well. Again, the, the Bible speaks of the Trinity over and over again. And I know we have some people that, that believe today that it's just Jesus, but it's, it's not. There is the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And, G, and, and Paul is talking about that right now. And, and this would have been after the resurrection, so we know that Paul believed that as well. Uh, so, and when all things shall be subdued unto him, then shall the Son also himself be subject unto him that put all things under him, that God may be all in all. 
Else what shall they do which are baptized for the dead? If the dead rise not at all, why are they then baptized for the dead? And so what he was talking about was, and that was a, that was a custom in, in the church of Corinth, that they would baptize, they would, uh, someone would stand in the, in the gap, and if you ever want to study that out, you can and see that it was, that was, a, uh, that was a, a, a belief that they had, that if someone died and they had never been water baptized, that if they were baptized... Uh, for them that that was that was the same as them being baptized the apostle paul wasn't con- condoning that practice what he was was he saying that that you do that and and we know if you study what what paul taught on baptism that 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 he wouldn't have taught that at all uh, but he said that if you didn't believe in the resurrection then why would you do that why why would you do that but you believe in the resurrection or else you wouldn't do that Right. Amen. Amen. You see, it's a it's an odd thing I, I found out in the church that that a lot of times there are are people that are not saved that that believe in the resurrection. Yeah, yeah. And there are sometimes those that are or think they are saved, and they really don't believe in the resurrection. Yeah. That's right. We have preachers. I know they, they've done uh, polls before and asked, asked uh, preachers behind pulpits that they didn't have to give their name and ask them, do you really believe in the resurrection? And you'd be surprised how many preachers behind pulpits don't actually believe in the resurrection. It's true. And if you don't believe in the resurrection, then, then all the rest of it's a lie and it, it all caves in on itself. That's right. But the resurrection is true. Amen. And we believe in the resurrection... And so he said, if you, if we, I, I know that you believe or else, why wouldn't you do that? You see, because everybody that, that uh, has that hope, that, that, you know, that's uh, when it comes time for a funeral, everybody's hoping for the afterlife. Amen. Yeah. Everybody's hoping for the resurrection. So he said, if after the manner of men, I have fought with beasts and at Ephesus, what advantage, what advantage it me if the dead rise not? Let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. So he said, what if I, in a nutshell, what he's saying here is, is would I have went and, and, and been beaten and, and, uh, and persecuted and went through everything that I did if I didn't believe this? Would I do it? Have I went, would have went through all this? And we know that he wouldn't have because the Apostle Paul, I'm sure that, that he probably had a pretty sweet life before Christ. He was a Pharisee of Pharisees. That's what he said. He was well thought of. He was one of the religious elite. And when Christ came, he turned the apple cart over in Paul's life. Just as he does everybody else's life. Isn't that the way Jesus does? He'll come into your life and he messes everything up. He does. Because we thought we were on our own way. We were doing our own thing. And we we had all our life planned out. And then all of a sudden Jesus comes into our life and, and everything changes. And so Paul said, why would I have done that? And why would I still preach this gospel if I didn't believe it? But I believe it. Yes, sir. And I've experienced it. 
Be not deceived. Evil communications corrupt good manners. What he was saying was, don't follow after those that don't believe. Do not be deceived. And don't follow after those that teach those things. Awake to righteousness and sin not. For some have not the knowledge of God, and I speak this to your shame. But some man will say, how are the dead raised up? And with what body do they come? Thou fool, thou which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And it begins to talk about life and about resurrection. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear uh, grain, it may chance of wheat or of some other grain. You see, he begins to talk about Sowing. And you see, we're we're looking around and we see that farmers are right now harvesting grain. And whether you realize it or not, those seeds that you see, that corn, you know, pals, they 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 get that, that corn just at the right time. And that corn though if they got it too early before it was germinated, what would happen if they planted it? It wouldn't grow. They wouldn't get anything out of it. Those of you that plant seeds, you know when you look at that seed that that seed has died once. And you take that seed and when you put it in the ground, it begins to germinate. And what does it do? I don't know a lot about horticulture, but I do know one thing. You put that seed in the ground and it grows. Yes, it does. This is what Paul was saying was that we must go that route of of death for those of us that are that are living, we will once die. And when we die, you see, you have to die to be resurrected. And so now he's going to he's going to also jump. Hundreds and hundreds of years here in a moment. So stay, keep track of what I'm saying here and what Paul is saying here. He said, but some man will say, how are the dead raised up and and with what body do they come? Thou fool, that which thou sowest is not quickened except it die. And that which thou sowest, thou sowest not that body that shall be, but bear grain. It may chance of wheat or of some other grain, but God giveth it a body as it hath pleased him and to every seed his own body. All flesh is not the same flesh, but there is one kind of flesh of men, another flesh of beasts, another of fishes, and another of birds. There are also celestial bodies, which means earthly bodies, and terrestrial bodies. But the glory of the celestial is one, and the glory of the terrestrial is another. What he was saying was that everyone 
has a fleshly body. That's what you're sitting in here tonight, I hope. But then you also have a spiritual person as well. Did you know that? That's right. We've been made in the image of God. We're going to find that out when we go back into the book of Genesis. Man is made in the image of God. And so therefore we're a body and we're a soul and we're a spirit. We have this body, but that's not all there is to to any of us. We all have a soul and a spirit as well. When we get saved, the Holy Spirit regenerates our spirit. And that's what we call being born again. Amen? Amen. That's, That's what we call being born again because we've been regenerated by the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit regenerates us, we know that we have the hope of glory because Christ lives within us through the Holy Spirit. Christ in me is the hope of glory. Christ in me is is my hope. And so, he said "There there is one glory of the Son, and another glory of the moon and another glory of the stars for one star uh, differeth from another star in glory. So also is the resurrection of the dead. It is sown in corruption. It is raised in incorruption. This body that we live in. As Brother Bill said tonight, we're all fallible. None of us that are here will ever be perfect. While we're living in this flesh. We strive to live for God. And we, we give everything we have to Him. And we, but the truth is, is we're living that right standing that we're living in God. Was only accomplished through Jesus Christ on Calvary. And so my right standing is, is in Him. And in Him alone. So he said, so also is the resurrection of the dead is it is sown in corruption and it is raised in incorruption. So we never really in this life, the life of our own will accomplish true righteousness until we die. Now, I'm always careful to cause you to realize that we are to walk in holiness. But we also have to know that we're trusting in Christ for our righteousness. And he said it is sown in dishonor. So really what it is, is when when we die... We don't leave this this place as perfect people. Because it is sown in dishonor, but it is raised in glory. It is sown in weakness. It is raised in power. Think of that. It is sown a natural body. It is raised a spiritual body. 
There is a natural body and there is a spiritual body. And so it is written, the first man, Adam, was made a living soul. Adam was the the first person. And he was made a living soul. But he failed. Think of that. The one that walked with God, talked with God, failed. God knew that though. The last Adam was made a quickening spirit. What that means there is the last Adam became a life-giving spirit. You see, the first Adam failed. The second Adam was Jesus Christ. He didn't fail. But today, He is that life-giving spirit. He is a quickening spirit. Howbeit, that was not Uh, First, which is spiritual, but that which is natural and afterward, that which is spiritual. So first, we must all be born. And that's what that's what Jesus was saying to Nicodemus in John chapter three. He said, you must be born once. And he said, you're born of the water. I believe that was the, the physical birth that because when you come down the birth canal, you always come down with water. So everybody experienced that first birth. But he said, then the second birth comes from the Spirit of God. If you're born again tonight and you're here, that means that the Spirit of God has come into your heart and into your life and infused your spirit and now you are a spiritual person. That's the reason why we've just talked about the gifts of the Spirit and all the things that we can have through the Spirit. If you are not regenerated, you cannot have those. We understand things when you when we read the Bible and when we when we uh, hear people testify. We we know of things because we are regenerated by the Spirit of God, and because we're gen- regenerated by the Spirit of God, we we know. As I said Sunday morning, uh, we we have that Spirit that cries, "Let Abba Father," because we have a relationship with God, the yes. Father, and so we have that relationship with Him. Those that are unregenerated don't really understand that. And they cannot. And so we we shouldn't be real hard on those that that aren't regenerated because they're still living in that carnal nature. They don't understand it. They they don't understand when you say praise the Lord because they have nothing to praise Him about. They don't understand when you say hallelujah because they don't have anything to say hallelujah about. They don't understand what it is to have a spiritual nature inside of them because all they have is the fleshly nature. They have a spirit. A spirit that is longing for God. And always remember that those that you come in contact with, I don't care who they are or where they came from. They have a spirit that's yearning for God and yearning to have that relationship with God. If, if that didn't happen, the church would have died many, many years ago before it ever got started, actually. If that wasn't the truth, then Peter, when he got up and would have preached on, on the day of Pentecost, there wouldn't have been anybody got saved. They would have looked at him and probably stoned him. 
But instead, 3,000 people got saved that day. Why? Because they said, because their spirit, yearning out for God, and yearning out for the spirit, heard the anointing and the presence of God and said, what must we do to be saved? That's the spirit of God that's within you, yearning to have and to be regenerated by the Holy Ghost. As it is the earthly, such are they also that are earthly. And as is heavenly, such are they also that are heavenly. And as we have uh, borne the image of the earthly, we shall also, listen closely, bear the image of the heavenly. One day you will bear the image of the heavenly as well. Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Neither doth corruption inherit incorruption. The book of Revelations tells us that there will not be anything unclean that will enter into the kingdom of God. It cannot because it cannot come before God. God cannot look at sin. God is holy. God is holy. And so then he says this, and I, I just believe that the Apostle Paul, as he is telling this to, the, to these uh, Corinthians, that he is getting more excited and more excited the more he's talking of this. Why? Because he had been caught up to the third heaven. He had the revelation. He had the revelation of heaven. He had the revelation. But also remember one thing. The Apostle Paul wrote these words probably 40 years before John had... The revelation. He says this. Behold I show you a mystery. Behold I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Paul knew he was speaking through. To generations. We shall not all sleep. Those that sleep, remember what I said. The unregenerated person, they die. But in the New Testament, those that are Christ, they sleep. I show you a mystery, we shall not all sleep. That means, but we shall all be changed. Yes, amen. We shall not all die. But we shall all be changed. Why? Because all of us have to be changed. How many knows that there are some people in the church age, the church generation, that will not die? That's right. There's a possibility that all of us that are here tonight, we're all living and breathing, and there's a possibility that none of us will die. Amen. We ought to shout about that. Brother, that'd be a happy time. Amen. Wouldn't it be something if right now that the rapture took place and we were almost gone? And let me tell you, that could happen at any moment because there's nothing left to be fulfilled but God calling His church home. That's the truth. There's some things that had had to happen that has already happened, like, like Israel. When you look at, at Israel, you know, Israel hasn't been a, a nation until 1948. Mm-hmm. That had to happen. Well, brother, it's going to happen. 
happen. Some people will be in that. Amen. That had to happen Amen. before the rapture took place. There are some things that had, that had to happen. But we are living in a day where, where the rapture could take place at any time. And I don't know when it's going to happen. But I do know one thing. That when we, Jesus said, if you can tell the signs of the, of the, the seasons, and if you can look at and see that, that uh, tomorrow it's going to be rainy, then you can also look and you can look at the signs and say, well, the signs are, are looking right for the Son of Man to come back. And, and you should know those things. You see, he says he's coming as a thief in the night, but I don't believe that he should come as a thief in the night for the church we should not be those that are not looking for the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, we've already studied that. Paul said, told us uh, that we are to always, in 1 Thessalonians, when he wrote that epistle, he said we should always keep our eyes looking for the coming of Christ. That is our hope. That is, our, it is what we are looking for. And it keeps the church living for Christ. Looking for His coming. Because I know one thing. I might, you know, when, when I got saved, I was, was almost 25 years old. I wasn't looking to die. I, although I could have. I could have died the next day. But I wasn't looking for that then. But I did know one thing. That that many years ago, that Jesus could come at any moment. And I could be feeling perfectly fine and Him come back. You could have plans for the future, but let me tell you something. He could come at any time. And He is really not concerned about your plans. And He will come back when He is ready. He said, I show you a mystery. Because verse 52 says, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, in a moment in the twinkling of an eye, that's really, really fast. The last trump shall sound. Now I'm going to tell you something. In, in the Old Testament, they used, they used trumpets. They used these they were ram's horns. Yes. And they used those for a lot of different things. They used them to proclaim victory. Yeah. They used them to call an assembly to assemble together. They used them that they would announce a warning. And they would use them for a call to battle. Paul says that there is a trumpet that is going to sound at this time. Now I want you to turn to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 with me. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. We already studied this verse, but 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, and I'm using the verse here because this kind of reestablishes what Paul is saying. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 verse 13, he said, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with Him. 
For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive, listen closely, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord Himself, for the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. The trump of God will sound. Revelation chapter 4 verse 1 says this, After this I looked and behold a door was opened in heaven, and the first voice which I heard was as it were of a trumpet talking with me, which said, Come up hither and I will show thee things which must be hereafter. And, and I immediately was in the Spirit. The rapture, the, the word rapture is not in the Bible. But then the word Trinity is not in the Bible either. There are a lot of things that, that we talk about as Christians. They're not actually words that are in the Bible, but they're, they're what we know. And the word rapture really comes from the Latin translation from a Greek word, harpazo, which means caught up. Which means caught up. When that trumpet sounds, I want you to stand. This would be what they would have heard, hopefully. Okay. It would have been. And then I said, not only that, I want you to blow the horn tonight. <laughs> well, I want you to think about something. You just heard that. And that's what that's the, the blowing of the ram's horn. Yeah. Yes. This is not... We, uh, there is a seven trumpets of Revelation. And those are seven trumpets that will bring about persecution or will bring about yeah. things on, in, in, during tribulation. This, this trumpet is not that trumpet. This will be a sound. It will be a trumpet sound. And what you heard, now it might be a little bit longer than that, by a person with a little bit more ear than that. Yeah, I think Russ maybe should have blew it. But when you, when they, when you hear that, and when you heard that horn sound, the things that I'm going to tell you tonight are the things that are going to happen in that time that that horn is being blown. This is how fast that rapture will take place. If anybody tells you, well, I'm going to get ready right before the rapture, I'm going to, I'm going to call upon the Lord and be saved, you will not have time to do that. There, there will not be time for you to call out at that time because that will happen so fast. It will be a twinkling of an eye, and that twinkling of an eye will be very, very rapid. As a matter of fact, they say it's like a, a thousandth of a second. Because they, yeah, what is it? One one 
one one hundredth of a second is that that's how fast that's what scientists say a twinkling of an eye is and and we will be translated so if you know we were talking about before service some people don't like heights it won't matter because you're going to be in the presence of God so fast that you will never even know it amen when that trumpet begins and when it ends Things on this earth will be completely changed in the twinkling of an eye. When that trumpet begins to quit, the Lord will have called His church home. The Lord will have called His church home to fulfill a promise that was given to us. You see, Jesus made that promise to us in John 14. In John 14, He said, I am going away. And when I go, I will prepare a place for you. He said in Revelations 20.20, He said He's coming back. He's coming back again. And just, uh, you know, there are a lot of things that you might be assured of tonight. You can be assured of one thing, that Jesus is coming back. I know one thing as I read the Word of God. You, you know, you ask me today, why is it that, that you got saved? Because I, I, I know one thing out of the Word of God. And that is that the things that He said came to pass. Isaiah 53, as, as Sister Linda uh, read, read that scripture Sunday morning out of Isaiah 53. You know what? That was an old prophecy that was given Hundreds of years before Christ came, it was a prophecy that was given about Jesus that he would come and who he would be. And he came and he fulfilled that prophecy. Jesus became the fulfillment of the prophecy. The church has become the fulfillment of the prophecy that we read in Isaiah. And I do know one thing that if he can get those things down as as close and as minute, uh, all the things that that have been done. I know one thing. I can believe that He's returning again in clouds of glory as He's coming for the church. And as I believe that tonight, I know one thing. That was one reason why I got saved is because I know that I can trust the Word of God. I can trust the Bible for what He has said He has already fulfilled. And let me tell you, there's some more to be fulfilled and we're looking for the coming of that. Uh, and as I mentioned, Israel becoming a nation, that, that would have, uh, if, if, you, if you study history, you'll see that that looked like it was an impossibility that all those people that were scattered all over the world would ever come back to that little country and to form a country today that would be able to defeat every country that was around it and to be victorious. Why? Because God has His eyes upon those people. God loves those people. And the tribulation, always remember one thing. They say, well, why isn't the church going to be here for the tribulation? Because it's not about the church. We are already saved. We're already on our way to heaven. Amen. There's no reason why the church would ever have to go through the tribulation period. We're already saved. Israel is not. It'll be one last time that he is able to call out to his, his people, Israel. And, it, and the Bible tells us that there will be a, a people that will get saved out of Israel. And it tells us that there will be 144,000 evangelists that will go all over the world and preach the gospel. And will die for Jesus. So there's no reason for really the church to be here any longer. Because the day of the Gentiles will be over. We are Gentiles. And that day will be done. And it will be all about His children, Israel. 
as he calls them. They should be. Because in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Yes. We shall be changed. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, death is swallowed up. In victory. You see, he is fulfilling his promise. Praise God. Praise God. He is fulfilling his promise that he said in Acts chapter 1. He told the, 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 the believers in Acts chapter 1, verse 9, he said, And when he had spoken these things, while they beheld, he was taken up in a, a cloud and received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, You men of Galilee, why stand you gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, so shall come in a like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. As Jesus went into heaven, the angel said he's coming back that same way. Keep looking for him, but, but not stand here looking for him. Because you're to go into all the world and to fulfill the great commission that He gave you. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Amen. Go into the world and preach to everyone that will hear it. And whatever it is to do, the church is to be about. And especially in these last days that we go about preaching the gospel to anybody that will listen to it. That we do anything that we can to win the lost for Christ. Because it was a... Fulfillment of the promise that he had made to the believers that he was coming back. You see, that we might fulfill the promise. Because in Ephesians chapter 5, that promise was that he was receiving, that one day he would receive the church back. That he would receive the church back. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25, says, Husbands, love your wives. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. You know, and I've said this over and over again. Marriage is, is a type of Christ and his union yes, to the church. That he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of the water by the word. That he might present it to himself. That he might present it to himself. You see, he's not coming back for a church that's, that's weak. He's not coming back for a church that, that uh, barely knows what they believe. He's coming back for a glorious church. Not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. But that it should be holy and without blemish. Yes. You know, we used to sing that song. It is a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, washed in the blood of the Lamb. It's a glorious church without spot or wrinkle, 
Washed in the blood of the Lamb. That's the church he's coming back for. A glorious church. One that's without spot or wrinkle. And how is that? Because they're washed in the blood of the Lamb. They're a church that's still preaching the gospel message. Still preaching the blood of Jesus Christ. And Him crucified, dead, and buried, and resurrected on the third day. Not coming back for a church that can't even decide Well, I don't want to go there. I could be the rest of the night there. That's not the church he's coming back for. Is one that's undecided. But he's coming back for a church that's looking for him. One that's sold out to him. One that's washing the blood of the lamb. One that's looking for his coming. Like the virgins waiting that has enough oil to be able to go out into the night. You see, he's coming back for that church. He's coming back. Sure he is. And all those departed saints that have went on and you see, that was the, the question that those in Corinth had had. They said, what about those that have died? You see, there was some that were teaching that, that they, weren't, they missed the resurrection. Because, see, they were looking for him to come back right then. And they said, oh, those people that died, I guess they're going to miss the resurrection. I guess they're, they're going to miss the resurrection. No. In verse 52, he said, In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall all be changed. But he also said in verse 51, We shall not all sleep, but we should all be changed. But those that are sleeping will precede us. They will precede us. It'll be an interesting place to be in the cemetery, Will. <laughs> on that day. Yes. Because what seems to be death will all of a sudden be like, you see, when Jesus, when Jesus was crucified, remember there was earthquakes and, and, and the dead got up and started walking in the streets. What happened? They were resurrected. We shouldn't, we shouldn't think, wow, that seems really outlandish. Well, it already happened. Raptures have happened before. Enoch was, was raptured. Elijah was raptured. These, are, these things that have happened, they've, already, they've happened before. And so he said, don't be concerned about that because those will precede us. They will precede us because those that are already sleeping. Now, it doesn't mean that they're, we're not talking soul sleep because there are some cults that teach soul sleep, that you're, that you're sleeping. No. What that means is, is that, that, that your body is waiting. 
And a lot of people say, well, how is that that, that, that you can be resurrected? You know, I always wondered about that too, but I've been saved long enough that I, I remember, I think it was on Time Magazine, when they, when they came up with DNA. Do you remember what the, the front of, of Time Magazine said? I think it said they found the, the, the God code or something uh, like that. They yep. found the God code. Why? Because they found DNA. How could a person be burnt up? Well, evidently there's still enough DNA. God knows. And whether, the, whether man says, well, there's not enough there to see anymore, I, I have to believe, and this is my opinion. So don't start putting things in the comments about, oh, you don't know that. Oh, oh, but think of that, a God that has everybody coded. Yep. Whether you were eaten by a fish in the ocean, yep. Yep. whether you burn up in the house, or whether you're laying in a graveyard, God knows exactly where that body was laid down. Yes. But he also knows that you are at that point going to be present with him. And those that are already have passed away, you know where they're at? To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So those that have went on with the Lord, they're already in the presence of God. That's what Jesus told the thief on the cross. He said, today you'll be with me where? In paradise. Today you will be with me in paradise. Philippians 1.23, Paul says, For I am a straight betwixt two, having a desire to depart and to be with Christ, which is better. So for those saints that have died and went on, or sleep, I should say, those that have went on to be with the Lord, we should not be fretting about that because we know they're there waiting. They're in the presence of God. They're in the presence of God waiting. And that's what Paul was teaching them because you see, they needed to learn these things about the resurrection because in the Old Testament, these things weren't, weren't taught. And that they one day are going to be coming back. One day they will be coming back. You know, I had a, I, I really wish we had monitors here because I had, I had a, this, this morning when I was studying, I, I have this rollout that's a, a perfect picture that shows the, the, the happenings of, of end time. And it shows you in sequence because, it, you know, it's very hard when, when, we're, when we're reading the Word of God. But when, it, when you begin to put these scriptures together, you begin to see what, what's going to happen. Yeah. But you see, at that point, the dead in Christ will rise. And then we which remain will be caught up in the air. Why? Because the trumpet will sound. And when the trumpet sounds and we hear, come up hither, it's time to leave. And we will be caught up in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trump. 
Before the trumpet's gone, we're going to be gone and we're going to be out of here. Because God is going to shout. And you see, when God shouts, do a study on what happens when God shouts. When God shouted, Lazarus got up out of the tomb. When God shouted, those that were there at Calvary got up out of the graves. When God shouts again, the church will come alive once again. You talk about a church that will be alive, we will be alive on five when that happens. Because we, when He shouts, the church will be changed and we will be in His presence. If you want to talk about giving worship and praise, that's going to happen. Because what? We're going to be getting ready for the party of parties. We're getting ready for the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're getting ready when He receives His church. We're getting ready for the marriage supper that will last for seven years. I've heard people say before, well, I just saved, but I just like to party too well. I'm going to tell you something. God likes to party too, only He doesn't party like you do. God's going to put on a party that will be last for seven years, and that's a real party. And all the living saints will leave this place. The church will instantly be gone. And like I said, though, there will be some churches that will have regular services next week. Yeah, there will be. As a matter of fact, there could even be some people show up here. I don't know. You don't know. I listened to a Methodist preacher one time. I was on my way to church and he was on the church of the week. And he was, he was speaking and I thought, hey, oh, he's going to speak about the rapture of the church. And, uh, and I, so I was listening close. And I, he said that to his church. He said, there are some of you that are here that, that you'll be here the next week after the rapture takes place. And I thought, wow. <laughs> and I know that could happen here as well. If you're not ready, then you'll be left behind. And you say, well, what does that mean? Get the book left behind and you'll know. <laughs> Because there will be those that are left behind. Those that will not make it. And it will not be the end because there is going to be people that are going to get saved during the tribulation period. But I hear people all the time say, well, I'm going to wait until the rapture takes place and then I'll get saved after that. If you can't live for Jesus now, are you going to live for Jesus when they say, when they say they're going to cut your head off? Are you going to live for Jesus when they say that the mark of the beast, that, that you're either going to take that mark in your, in your, uh, in your forehead or in, their, in your hand? Are you going to live for Jesus when they say you're either going to do that or you're going to watch your children starve to death? And so oh, I can't see that happening. Let me tell you something. You're seeing some pretty, uh, uh, thing, you know, <laughs> some signs of it that are happening right now. I'm not saying, don't, don't get me wrong, I'm not saying that that's a mark of the beast, but I'm going to tell you something. You can see types and signs and shadows of things to come where, where people can start to tell you what it is you're going to do and what it is you're going to put in your body. Uh-huh. There you go. That's right. You know, we've said that for years. Oh, I, I can't ever see that happening. Really? Really? 
And it'll be worse than that. Because are you going to sit and watch your children die? Because you won't take that simple mark. Just go ahead and do it. And everything will go good for you. Everything will go well. And don't get me wrong, those that take that will know exactly what they're doing. Yeah. You won't be fooled into that. And, and I'm not going to go into that because really Paul didn't go into that here. Because he was telling the church of Corinth, be ready. Because the rapture is not going to be a long drawn out thing. And as a matter of fact, when that, when that trumpet sounds. And when the rapture takes place. And there's a peace treaty signed in Israel. The time clock starts. And there will be seven years. That's another reason why I know that the church is not going to go through that period of time. Because we would know. Think of that. We would know the moment that that treaty is signed. We would be able to say, I know when when Jesus is coming back. That's right. And maybe you're listening on Facebook tonight and you're going to look at this later on. Maybe the rapture will take place tomorrow morning. Look at it and realize one thing. When that, when that treaty is signed, you can know one thing, that, that God is coming back in seven years from then. Amen. You better get right with God right now. That's a good thing about, about these recorded messages is because there, there could be somebody, to, think of that, somebody in the tribulation could be watching this later on. Yeah. Yeah. And if you are, you better get right with God. And anybody that tells you to take a mark, you better run from them. Whether it means your life and your head. Because at that trump, the church will be gone instantly. 